looking for the officials. Signal none yet, and there it is. Touchdown, Bulls. Two and a half to go before halftime. This has been a doozy of an opening half for Raymond James Stadium. Brian Batty has already taken one back for a touchdown tonight, and he does it again. Bulls back in front. All right, let's run it. It is uh, that time again. Uh, it's Houston week. Uh, Brian Betsy runs back those two kicks and eventually uh, comes to uh, consensus All-American fame. Um, but Brian Batsy is, is is ready and raring to go. Talked to him earlier today and, uh, and you know, talked about those two kickoffs from a year ago. So, uh, probably need to change the intro here soon because there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on this season, obviously, uh, seven, eight weeks into this whole thing. Uh, welcome to the Fletcher and Fowler podcast. I'm your host, Will Turner, uh, site publisher over at Bulls 24-7 here as I take you through this one on this uh, Tuesday night that I record. The hope is to get a couple of podcasts in this week. I know it's been a while. Um I don't think we've recorded since since the hurricane, in all honesty. Yeah, I think that was the last episode, because I had one ready to go for the hurricane week against East Carolina. I recorded with Steven Igo from Hoist the Colors before that. But, um, yeah, uh, so obviously a lot's happened since the beginning of the month. We're almost nearing the end of October somehow, and we're already, uh, you know, two-thirds into this football season. So, essentially, here's how this one's going to go. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of USF fans have, have seen, you know, the results, the 48-28 against East Carolina, 28-24 at Cincinnati, 45-31 against Tulane, all losses, the Bulls have dropped to one and six. Now, I've got some, some questions that we'll dive into a little bit later. Um, it'll be probably the bulk of this episode. We did a bi-week VIP mailbag over on Bulls 24-7. Again, one of the perks that we get over on the, uh, uh, the, that you'll get on the network if you join us over Bulls247.com is you get to ask me questions uh, and I typically answer them within a, a pretty decent amount of time. So I uh, got the first half of those questions up. I still have a handful that kind of had some longer explanations or more explanations that I felt were going to be better um, suited for, for talking rather than um you know just writing you know so uh we've got some some of those to talk about um you know and then just kind of where have we been since the hurricane so obviously the you know the hurricane hits uh we fared pretty well in valrico um but uh you know there there's a lot of other places that 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 didn't do a whole lot uh that didn't do very well um unfortunately down there in that fort myers and in naples area that got uh decimated by hurricane Ian. so um, our thoughts and, and prayers and positive thoughts continue to be with those folks as they continue to rebuild, um, you know, because it's a it, it's a major catastrophic uh, event. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we lost power up here, and we're very you know grateful that we were able to get through it unscathed at the house of Valrico, as much of the Bay Area did. So, uh, that was good to see. Uh, obviously, USF had to go down at down to Boca Raton to play East Carolina, um, so 
you know, and that game was was over pretty much after the second quarter. Uh, Pirates went up uh, 41-7 before halftime, and the Bulls battled back just a little bit. Nearly had a chance to make it a 10-point game or a a two-score game at that point, but just wasn't able to get it done uh, inside the five-yard line. So um, then a a, a game at, at nationally ranked Cincinnati, uh, that, that goes down literally to the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bulls have a 24-21 lead uh, until about the 10-minute mark of the, the fourth quarter, and they eventually give it up and aren't able to get it back, a fourth and one play that was an RPO that, um, you know, probably uh, Gary Bohannon had, should have uh, taken and uh, ran uh, to his right instead of tossing it to Brian Batsy on the left. So, uh, and then following by that, standards is Tulane, um, a game where USF... Uh, led, uh, you know, led early seven to three, then led fourteen to ten, then tied it at seventeen seventeen, and then within literally a sixty-two second stretch, it was a thirty-one seventeen game, and it was, you know, that was all she wrote. So, um, in that game, Gary Bohannon got injured, dealt with a uh, shoulder injury. He is done for the year. Travis Marsh will be uh, the guy that takes over uh, for the Bulls uh, going forward. We'll talk a little bit about that um, as as we kind of. You know, take you through this one. So if this is your first time listening to the Fletcher Fowler podcast, again, like I said a few minutes ago, my name is Will Turner. I'm the host of this here podcast. Uh, you could catch us on the four major podcast distributors between Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Um, if you haven't already, uh, please make sure to subscribe so you never miss another episode, whether it's on those major, uh, whether it's on those major uh, podcast distributors, or um, in the Megaphone.fm and browser in your. Uh, favorite browser. So, um, as you could be listening to this on bullswing47.com. So, make sure to go subscribe so you never miss another episode of the podcast. Um, again, just not as frequent as I'd like to, but a lot of, lot of, lot of reasonings going into that, uh, that I'm not, you know, really privy to get into, um, you know, so far. So, you know, um, really, it, it's a critical time for USF right now. Um, and, 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 you know, that, that's no secret, right? This team is one in six bowl aspirations are hanging on by a thread. I mean, if they miraculously win out, uh, they get to a bowl game, but at the same time, they've got three games on a road between Houston temple and Tulsa, and then SMU sandwiched in between the temple Tulsa trips. And then of course you've got central Florida at home for the war on I four USF is in a position where, you know, They've erased the slow starts, right? We talked so much about the slow starts against BYU, even the slow start against Howard. Um, not so much at Florida, but at Louisville, then East Carolina. Uh, but then in Cincinnati, they go up 10-0 on the Bearcats at Nippert Stadium. Uh, Morris Brown has played really well defensively. Uh, ends up getting an interception for USF to you know, have a chance to, to, to go up two touchdowns. Instead, they go up by a touchdown on a field goal. And... Um, you know that that's big, right? Tulane, same thing. You know this is a team that 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 has surprised a lot. Tulane has they're six and one uh, so far this season. Or, uh, they might be seven and one. Yeah, seven and one. They beat two, uh, they beat Memphis last weekend. So um, you know, and that was a team that that USF started out with a seven three lead over. They didn't score on their first drive, but they kept the defense kept them in the game for the majority of that game um, until things got got away from them late. And maybe you can, you know, count the offense not playing counter- complimentary football, putting them in a bad spot when Travis Marsh fumbled. 
So there's a variety of things, right, that you could point to and say, okay, this team is de- th- th- this team is showing improvement, right? You take a look at the sacks and TFL numbers holistically, right? This team has 13 sacks and 47 tackles for loss uh, so far in 2022. In 2021, this team I know for sure had nine sacks as this webpage doesn't want to load in front of me. Um, we love we love when when things don't go right on this podcast sometimes. But you you know you take a look the sack numbers have already increased. I know that for sure. Sack numbers they had nine last year. They're at forty nine tackles. Per, they had forty nine tackles for loss last year. They are two tackles for loss away from matching last season's totals, with still five games to go. So that's big, right? That's important because. It's, it's progress, especially for a unit like the defensive line that we were in the front seven that we were very collectively, fans and media alike, were very concerned about heading into the year, especially at the D-tackle position. The ends have been pretty solid. Eddie Kelly has been a nice um, surprise at defensive end. Uh, you know, J- Jason Vaughn has ha- has played really well. He's got five sacks in the last three games. Um, so there's improvement there, right? Obviously, the run defense at times is is not good. It was good against East Carolina, but not too, not really good in the last two games. And then the pass game has not been good. It was not good against East Carolina. It was not where it needed to be against. Uh, it was not where it needed to be against uh, Tulane either, for that matter. So you want to, you know, you you look to this team and an improvement. And I think there's a lot of. I think there's. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't necessarily say a lot of positives because, yeah, they're still one in six. But there's definitively things that I could point to and say, okay, this team is getting better in some aspects. I think the offensive play calling has been better in the last few weeks. I still would like to see that. I'd still like to see the tight end get utilized a little bit more. Um, so maybe that's something you look to do at, at Houston on Saturday. Um, you know, with a guy like Travis Marsh, who's going to be a little bit more prone to wanting to stay in the pocket, you can't run those quarterback power, quarterback draw plays that you did with Gary Bohannon because Travis Marsh just isn't that guy, isn't that type of quarterback. So maybe you run, um, you, you, you have to be more creative in the passing game and have to be more creative in your run game as well because you've got a guy that, you know, if you're not careful, you could find yourself getting one-dimensional. So that's a key to me, right? is trying to figure out how to adjust your offense. Um, how to figure out how to adjust your offense. Um, you know, with 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 a, with a guy like Travis Marsh that, that doesn't give you nearly the threat running the football that Gary Bohanna did. And also, if anybody's interested, I, I, I know I usually mention this towards the top, um, for my beer drinkers out there that tell me they like the beer selections, uh, currently sipping on a... Uh, where's FEMA from 1718 Brewing in Ocracoke Island, North Carolina? Um, a lot of folks know that that I uh, love North Carolina. I love uh, the the state, Raleigh, Durham, all that area. Um, I went to the Outer Banks for the first time this summer, and really, uh, you know, had a great time out there. It was a really cool cool experience to do the whole byway, State Road 12 from from south to north. Um, you know, a lot of Folks in Florida don't go up to the Carolinas for vacation. You know, maybe Savannah or Hilton Head. But the Outer Banks, North Carolina, if you can stomach a, a, a 10 to 14-hour drive, which by the end of it, I think I'd probably driven about 14 hours um, by, by as far north as I'd gotten, 
If you can stomach it, man, you gotta do it. It's an awesome place, man. Ocracoke Island, you could get there by ferry only, or if you have a, a small jet engine plane. Um, they have a municipal airport, and essentially, it, it, it's a couple square mile island, and then the rest of it, right, is like 13 miles of just the most gorgeous beach you've ever seen in your life. And I know we live in Florida, and I know we're spoiled beaches, but man, it was quiet. It was calm. People fished. You could, you could spread out. I went in July and there was no, or I went in June and there was nobody there, along the beach of, of where I was. It was it was awesome, and you didn't really have to walk that far. Um, really cool place in the world. Um, so yeah, uh, Ocracoke has a brewery. They have a cigar shop too, which I thought was very cool. Hand rolled cigars inside somebody's garage. But uh, 1718 Brewing in Ocracoke, North Carolina. Pretty darn cool spot. Uh, pretty cool island to have their own brewery and own cigar shop. So that's what we're sipping on tonight as we record. Um, I have uh, turned my main fridge. I used to have um, just a mini fridge. But I've had the house to myself um, for the last two weeks, ever since I got back from Cincinnati, and I've turned the beer, I've turned my main fridge into a beer fridge, okay? And every single can, I want to say there's got to be a good, like, 80 to 90 plus the growler from 1718, is all out-of-state beer from USF prior road trips. Um, or, you know, my road trip up to Carolina. So, um, if, 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 you know, if you all want to see what we got or, you know, whatever, at WTurner247 and, and maybe we'll do beer exchange, who knows? Who knows? There's a lot of good stuff in that fridge, and it all tastes really good. So that's my tangent about beer. Uh, you guys know that I'm. T- uh, if you listen to the podcast before, I'm a big craft beer guy, um, but I digress. So, um, where do we go from here? Um, you know, I, I I I wanted to say that I wanted to get to a lot of these questions um, that you that we had on the message board. Uh, our our VIP subscribers do. Uh, you know, uh, again, I'm always appreciative for for the support. Y'all fund my trips to go. Uh, essentially, you subscribing to Bulls twenty four seven and you clicking on articles at Bulls twenty four seven allows me to go on these road trips. Allows me to, um, you know, live. <laughs> essentially, um, you know, and and not have to worry about having a, a, a second second job. So always appreciate the uh, the support uh, for what we do um, as we continue to to grow the site. So um, looking at our mailbag and what's left to answer, there's a few left. Uh, there's a few left to answer here. Um, the first one that I need to, that I want to address, and when I started writing the, the, the response to this, okay, when I started writing the response to this, I, I had already wrote like a book, man. I had, um, you know, I, I had, (laughs) I had literally just started writing a book. And it's not even funny. Um, the question comes from uh, Chi Town Bull eighty two eighty nine. How many wins does Jeff Scott need to save his job? I sure hope the answer isn't zero. I have a bad feeling Kelly uh, Michael Kelly wants to keep him no matter what this season's record ends up being. So we're gonna talk. Let, 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 let's dive into this because you know it's the elephant in the room. 
Does Jeff Scott get fired at the end of the year? How many wins does he need to save his job? Um, Michael Kelly, and I found this again recently. Michael Kelly told CBS Sports on record that Jeff Scott and his job was secure for at least the next two seasons. Okay, so, um, so this season, um, I don't know if it's twenty four, but he uh, twenty four as well, but he told cbs sports on record that jeff was gonna be safe no matter what it was now does that go in line with what i've heard uh source wise and 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 things like that over the last couple of weeks no but because obviously i think all i think a lot of folks thought that it you know one in six was a plausibility going into the bye week but but i think a lot of folks kind of thought that you might get Tulane and, um, you know, Tulane's obviously a lot better than we thought they were going to be. You thought you might have gotten, you know, East Carolina, um, and then maybe you shock somebody on the road, you beat Howard, maybe you beat BYU. Um, that's where my head was at. I thought you got Tulane, so I thought you came in two and, f- two and five heading, heading into the, because I had a lot of my wins on the back half. Uh, so when it comes to, when it comes to how many wins that Jeff needs to save his job as of right now, um, and, and people aren't going to like me cause I, cause, cause I say it, but again, this is just, hear me out. I think if this team goes one and 11, I, I think Jeff Scott's back man like i i I just do and and again if this is a situation where i'm wrong then i'll eat it right i'll say i was wrong i got bad info you know whatever i'll accept it and be okay but everything i've heard especially recently and everything's fluid mind you so if they go out and they go out and get blown out at Houston. They get blown out at Temple. They get blown out against SMU, Tulsa, UCF. He's gone. I would have to imagine he's gone. Okay. But as far as I know, as of right now, his job, he will be the head coach of USF in 2023 if, even if they go 111. Now, this is where I want you to hear me out. Now, if things don't change, in 24 or 23 i keep thinking i'm a year ahead if things don't change in 23 i would imagine that a mid-season move would be made i would be very confident that a mid-season move would be made but i think he's gonna at least get the first half of the season of 23 before moves made okay Again, Will, why do you say this? I say this because, and again, you guys aren't going to like me, and that's fine, but, you know, I try and be as rational as possible. USF has a legit injury problem. Okay? Gary Bohanna goes down on a mundane run to the right that picks up a handful of yards. Didn't even look to to didn't even look like he 
he landed on the on the shoulder that he did. Okay. Out for the year. Donovan Jennings breaks his leg at Louisville. You can't control that. That's just a game. That's just a game injury. Okay. Rashad Cheney goes down with an ankle injury. You can't control that. Um, Joe Joe injures his groin. You can't in, in pregame. You can't really control that. Jonathan Ross breaks his finger. Pregame. A weight falls on Jonathan Ross's finger a few hours before they go play Tulane. How do you control that? I'd like somebody to tell me how you could control these freak injuries or these injuries that are significant. Broken leg, broken ankle. There's like three, four guys playing with broken hands. I just saw Darian Grant in the parking lot on the way from the press conference, and he's dealing with, he's got a cast on one of his hands. Christian Williams has played with a cast all season. Tamarcus Simpson, I'm pretty sure, has a cast as well, and he's played nearly 300 snaps. Brad Cecil's playing through an injury. Uh, an injury. Xavier Weaver's playing through an injury. Meech Harris, in the words of Jeff Scott, is playing with one foot. Okay. You can't control these things. And I have watched football consciously for the last 15 to 20 years of my life. My dad worked uh, my dad worked for the Oakwood uh, for the Oakwood Raiders for 20 years. Okay? And has been around football since he was a kid. And my dad and I keep pretty close to USF football. Talk about it nearly every week cuz you know, he follows it since, you know, his son covers the team. He has never, and I have never, seen anything like this. And I know, like, everybody's like, well, yeah, some teams get hit with the injury bug. But this genuinely feels like the COVID year. And I know everybody goes, well, you know, we don't want to talk about the COVID year. Okay? But there were guys that COVID year that miraculously found them their way to the unavailable list that year. Okay. And nobody knew why. And it's the same situation in 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 22. Nobody knows why. And you can't control these things. And so USF and my main point here, yes, we talked about quality depth and Jeff Scott talked about quality depth all off-season long. Okay? And have we seen quality depth in places? Nick Bags has been 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 good at the D tackle spot in recent weeks. Um, you know, Morris Brown I think started the year, but he's been really good. Uh, the offensive line has stayed mostly steady with you know Mike Lofton, Darrell Bailey in there. The running back room has gotten a big boost from Batie. K1 Pals came in and, and had some some nice hard runs. You know, you've seen some of the quality depth in areas. You're not seeing it across the board, which is what you need. But my main point in all of this is USF is not Alabama. They are not Georgia. They are not Ohio State. And hell, they're not Cincinnati. 
those teams could roll out second, even third string guys that are former four stars that were recruited by every program in the country and are just as good, maybe a little bit lesser than what's going to be out for those teams. USF is not Alabama. They're not Ohio State. They're not Clemson. They're not, they're not, they're not any of those teams. They can't roll out guys like left and right and, and expect the same quality of play. It would be nice. You would like these guys to be able to come up and play, but they're gonna show their warts. A lot of these guys are are, are that you're seeing are players that just have never played. At, college, at the college football level. And they haven't seen game speed. Ben Knox, for example. Okay? Ben Knox played a little bit in 20 down the stretch. I don't think he played at all in 21. And then 22 plays against East Carolina gets lined up on C.J. Johnson. I mean, that's... That's difficult. That's a difficult... It's difficult, man. Because these guys, these backups, aren't getting game reps they're not getting game speed reps so usf has a legit injury problem there's a piece that i need to do that i've been talking about for weeks and putting a number to how many games that usf has lost this year due to injury i have to imagine it's got to be 75 to 100 75 to 100 and that's just guesstimating okay so USF is a legit injury problem. Now, is that a legitimate excuse for Jeff Scott to be one and six and have four wins through two and a half seasons? No. But it's going to probably get him at least to the start of 23. The Jeff Scott tenure has been snake bitten. Simple. Okay. You get COVID in 20 in, in 20. Everybody's tired of talking about it. You get COVID in 20. You get scholarships taken from you in 21 because of the previous staff. And that's your first like year. Okay. It's like year zero. Then in 22, you're starting quarterback, you're starting running back, one of your starting offensive linemen. One of your starting defensive linemen. Actually, screw that. 21 starter slash two deeps have missed at least one game. And you're expecting USF to, to, to roll out the same quality that those starters would give you. It's not happening, folks. It's not happening. USF is not Alabama. They'll see Alabama in 2023, and I think Jeff Scott coaches that game. But they're not Alabama. They're not Michigan. They're not Ohio State. They're they're not Clemson. They can't roll that depth out like that. So, I spent a lot of time on that question. But again, oh, and and my other big point. I think USF, if it gets healthy... They, it has one of the most talented rosters in the new American Athletic Conference. And I think they compete right away. Charlotte just fired Will Healy after going 1-7. So they're going to rebuild. Okay. 
UTSA's treading water. Uh, uh, probably better than treading water. Four and two. North Texas is treading water. Rice is rice. FAU ain't setting the world on fire. UAB is 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 keeping tradition as well. So you got two of the sixteen come. Two of the six teams coming in. That you're probably at least gonna play maybe what three, four of them, at least three, right? Because you got to replace the other three. And I think you got a chance. Navy is is is. I don't know how. I mean, my dad's a, a Navy guy, so he and I have a daily conversation about you know if they're gonna fire uh, Coach Ken over there. Um, Houston's gone, Cincinnati's gone, UCF's gone. You know, Tulane is this a new normal for them, or will they fall back down to earth? Does Memphis continue to to waste Seth Hannigan? Does SMU continue to do they build? What do they do? Does Temple continue to 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 not to to not look good? I think USF could compete next year. Not saying conference championship, but I'm saying they could at least win six seven games if the roster stays good. You know, and that's why I think Jeff gets to 2023 at the end of the day. Um, and that ties into my next, the next question that I see. Um, where was it? Um, I kind of answered this a little bit um, already in the in in, in, in article. Um, where do you think that USF will end up recruiting wise this year when it's all said and done? So the NCAA USF is going to feel the effects of the NCAA's rolling of transfer windows because if you looked at, at what they did last year, they 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 got guys on campus pretty early. They recruited really early. Uh, Nick Bags committed on like November fifth. James Ash on November 10th, even though he didn't make campus. Clyde Pender was on campus and, and visited um, with Ash. Um, so, you know, you had guys that, you know, they were bringing in kids on game day visits. And you can't do that right now. You can't, you can't recruit. You can't bring guys on campus. You can't do any of the things that you were able to do last year because of these transfer windows. You can't recruit these transfers um, until um, – I think it's like December 15th or something like that. December 1. I think they changed it again. I don't know. But that's going to hurt USF. And I know, you know, USF took seven high school kids last year. They took uh, three JUCOs. Uh, one didn't make it to campus. Uh, in Zach Mendoza, or, or Zach Mendoza made it to campus, but he was medically DQ'd. Um, and then you had the, the prep school uh, guy in uh, Tavon Ward. So they only took seven high school guys last year. They're at six now with a long snapper included. Um, I think that's kind of where they stay. Obviously, you know, if there's any decommitments, uh, you know, that kind of remains to be seen. I think it's going to be another transfer-heavy class. I think it has to be, right? Um, You know, the transfer experiment is still, in my opinion, I think it's. St- I think the jury's still out on it because I think there's been some guys that you've seen that have played really well overall, right? You know, you haven't seen maybe what you wanted to see out of Chaffrey Brown. Mikey Dukes has been an okay role player so far. 
Um, Joe with Joe, you you haven't seen you haven't seen with him uh, what what he's made out of. So that's that's jury still out on him. Um, DJ Gordon's been one of your best linebackers. Amaris Brown has been uh, probably your best guy in the secondary. Nick Bags has been getting better the last couple of weeks. Gary Bohannon was your starting quarterback and really came on strong until he came, you know, went down with an injury. Um, going down the list, Ray Thornton was out for the year. You didn't get to see what he did. He he was going to do. Jonathan Ross had moments uh, again. Uh, another one that you, you know, would have liked to to have have seen more of. Um, thinking offensive line, you're seeing um, seeing Mike Lofton play play. Pretty good football at the offensive line. You're seeing Jarrell Bailey fill in. Um, you're seeing you'd like to see a little bit more out of the tight end, so maybe Chris Matillo, you know, uh, plays a little bit better down the line. Rashad Cheney was really it was playing really good football, in my opinion. So I don't think you've seen you know everything out of the transfers yet. I think the jury's still out, but there's a lot of guys that have. Main impacts: Amaris Brown, Rashad Cheney, Bohannon, Mikey Dukes as a role player. I mean, you 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 hit on some, without a doubt, you hit on some. There's no there's no debating that you that you hit on that you hit on a few. You'd like to see the rest come up, but again, it's like recruiting. Okay, not every guy's gonna, not every guy's gonna you know pan out. Shatorian Hansford's another one that's played pretty well so far, and it's played a lot of ball um you know so 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 you've hit on probably about 50 percent of the guys so far it's pretty good you take that you normally hit on maybe 50 to 60 maybe 70 in a traditional high school class that's fine i can i can forgive that but i'm going to be really interested to see what usf does in the transfer portal this year i think that if this staff remains through 2024, um, I think they get back to traditional high school recruiting in 24 because this staff is going to continue as they've done in prior, you know, this prior cycle, is recruit kids with multiple years of eligibility that have that have that extra COVID year still to use. This staff loves it. I've said that since day one. That's what they want to recruit. That's what they want to go after, and they're going to continue to go after it as long as it's on the market. Um, so I think you'll see a heavy transfer class this year. The jury will be back, I think, with 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 a better answer on some of the guys that, you know, some more of the guys for this year. So, you know, think at the end of the day. You're, it's still kind of a wait and see. So recruiting as a whole, I think you'll see him pick up some JUCO kids. I, you know, I, I, I'd like to see some JUCO kids because those essentially double as transfers. Maybe you grab a prep school kid here or there. I think your high school class is going to be pretty small. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe five to ten kids. But you bring in some JUCOs, you bring in some prep school kids, and you pick and choose some transfers, and that's a full recruiting class. Plus, you still have some guys that may or may not come back next year. Donovan Jennings could use a, a medical red shirt. Uh, a couple guys have their COVID year still to use. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a wait and see. But I, 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 think, I think you've seen some guys, like I said, Bohannon, Chaney, Hansford, Gordon, Brown, Lofton, Dukes, maybe Bags, that are starting to show out and that are starting to play well, regardless of the record. So, I, I, again, I think the jury's still out. I think the jury's still out.
for now. But, you know, it's an experiment at the end of the day. It really is. That's 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 what it was from day one when you started recruiting all these transfers, and that's what it's continued to be. So that's my thought about recruiting. Um, I need to actually get back into high school things. There's a lot of politics in high school football right now in terms of media restrictions that really bothers me. Um, and I've kind of, uh, you know, uh, I don't like. Um, in your opinion, this is from Kings of Tampa. Uh, in your opinion, as USF struggles this season and maybe past season, it's come down to the scheme they run on both offense and defense. It feels like Bob Shoup didn't have a, didn't even have a scheme coming in, and Trickett has been good on play calling. I just feel like we're not using the talent to its fullest potential. I think defensively, you could say that. Um, you know, I think it's been better in terms of uh, in terms of blitzing a quarterback. I think there's been times. I think depth is 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 hurting this team, obviously with the injuries, as I previously mentioned. Um, I, I think the secondary needs to be retold uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm a big press coverage, bump and run type of guy on the outside. I want to see your, you know, I want, I like to see corners playing right up on the line of scrimmage. If they get beat on one on one coverage, that's fine. It just feels like they're playing too soft in zone sometimes, and quarterbacks can pick them apart, especially if they can't get that front four. Um, the run fits have been better overall. Um, since the East Carolina week, they did have that one back-breaking play um, from Tajay Spears in the two-lane game. I'd be really interested to see because I don't think Houston's running backs are as as solid as as what they've seen in the last couple weeks. Um, so I think the run fits have been okay. Uh, you know, you want to get Antonio Greer back. This 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 defense is 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 proving to me like they're going to be more of a pass rushing blitzing defense which is what bob shoop came in and said he was, he was very transparent about that um but a lot of times it just it, it feels like they almost don't have a base defense right you know base is supposed to be the four two five, but maybe a base coverage that they're supposed to run because it feels like they're waiting too long to get the play call in and, and things like that you know i know i know we talked about that at the beginning of season against byu um with some of the tempo that they ran it feels like at times they're still Feels like at times there's still kind of some lag on that. You know, they really want to wait until what the opposing teams are running until we get the play call in. So um, maybe see that quicken up a little bit this this week. Um, you know, I, I I you know I think uh, you know I I think at the same time um, I, I think a lot of this has got to fall on the secondary the secondary coaches. So um, which is Bob Shoop and George Barlow. I. I think it could be more of a philosophy and personnel at that point back there um, than anything else. So, um, you know, I'd like to see guys like, you know, Morris Brown has been really good, even it. But, and that's the thing, right? If you've got guys that aren't going to play bump and run or are going to play five, maybe seven yards off, then you got to have a guy like a Morris Brown who's going to, who's really good at, 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 at rallying to the football after there's a, a catch. I mean, his yards after catch has been very, I think he's under 100 yards after catch allowed for the season. So, um, and USF just doesn't have that across the board. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of my thought. I thought offense, I think offensive play calling has been better. I think in times it's a little head, head scratching, obviously, to play at Cincinnati on fourth and one. Um, you know, I, 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 as I previously said, I want to see them use the tight end a little bit more. Um, I think Gunnar Greenwald has been very, very very underused i think chris carter has been very very underused um you know i i we haven't seen jason little john uh, much at all this season i i think those those guys have, have got to be due right for a big game um 
you know, it, 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 Gunnar Greenwald had had high level offers to go play other places, but he chose because he could play very early with USF, and now he's not getting the opportunity to do so. So I think you've got to find a way to get the ball into Gunnar Greenwald's hands uh, starting this week at Houston, especially with a quarterback that, like I said at the top, will not have the same running opportunities that Gary Bohannon had. Uh, in terms of to to finish up Kings of Tampa here. Uh, seen a lot of uh, JUCO offers going out recently. How many scholarships do we have to run, or, or do we have? Uh, does USF actually have to use? Are we in for another JUCO transfer heavy class? Yes, I think so. Um, again, it will be interesting to see what happens as soon as we get closer to the um, to the uh, you know the um, transfer window. Um, scholarships to use. I got to go back and take a look at that. Um, you know, and kind of see where they're at. I haven't updated my scholarship chart. Uh, recently, um, with some injuries, uh, we'll have some red shirt stuff too. I gotta get that. Uh, I gotta get that that figured out um, as well. Um, from Connor McTeer, who is set up to be a breakout player uh, down the stretch? I named him just a second ago, Gunner Greenwald. If you can get the football to Gunner Greenwald on a consistent basis, I think it opens up your offense, man. I really do. I think that gives you another dimension. I feel like right now you put the guy on the field. He runs his route, stands there, and he's not a factor. Nobody's even really covering the tight end because they don't feel like they have to because USF won't throw to the tight end. So I think you could really bank on, I think you should bank, um, I think you could really bank on um, on uh, on Gunnar Greenwald, on Chris Carter, on one of those guys at the tight end room to, to, to make a mark uh, down the line. Defensively, you know, I think Nick Baggs could, could really be a guy. Um, you know, I think Nick Bags could be could could be the guy. Um, in all honesty, I think he he, he played 33 snaps against Tulane, uh, which was a season high for him. Obviously, he's going to be needed more with Rashad Cheney being out. Um, you're going to see a lot of Hansford and Yates inside. If Yates could stay healthy, maybe you see less of Bags. But I think I think Bags is a guy that could be it could be a uh, a guy that breaks out down the stretch. I think you know you'll uh, Jalen Schuler, Matt Harris are two guys as the linebackers kind of uh, readjust depending upon how long TJ Gordon is out with a concussion. And then in the secondary, I think the secondary is open game behind Amaris Brown. I think there's a few guys, Will Jones, we haven't seen a whole lot of him. Um, you know, with productive football, I think Josh Green while he's played well could still really break out. I think Tamarcus Simpson while he's played well in spots could still break out. Uh Jaden Curry's kind of broken out a little bit, so I think he's probably not one, but um Maybe you see a resurgence of Christian Williams or Matt Hill or, you know, a couple of those guys. So uh, TJ Robinson that you see really break out and be positive down the stretch, um, you know, become a household name. So that's kind of my thoughts there. Um, I think that's everything. I think that's all the questions so far. Um, taking a look, taking a look, taking a look, taking a look. Yeah, I think that's think that's think that's it. Think that's that that is the that is the bi week mailbag. It's the bi week mailbag. So that's what I got right now. Um, that's what I got right now for 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 USF as they get ready to take on Houston. That'll be an eleven a.m. kickoff at TD ECU Stadium. Uh, at TD yeah TD ECU touchdown East Carolina Stadium um, is what we mockingly called that. Man, I it, it has been a while since we recorded a podcast, so it was good to to to, to get that done. Um, trying to trying to get at least one more done. I don't know if we'll have a preview with the opposing coach, but 
Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll find a way to get one more in before the end of the week. I fly up to Houston on Friday, um, so we'll try and get one in. Uh, you know, at, at, at some point. I do have to drive to Orlando because flights were expensive coming out of Tampa, but whatever. Um, but yeah, a back-to-back road trip for USF. Another one uh, at the end of uh, at the end of this stretch, right? USF will have played six out of eight weeks. Is it Tulane in the bye week away from Tampa for a team that hasn't won a road game since October 2019? It's a nightmare scenario. Um, and you got two more weeks of it on the road before you get another home game. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a mess. But that's the Fletcher Feller podcast. So hopefully you enjoyed. I, you know, a little bit of an unorthodox type of type of pod. Um, again, we, you know, uh, encourage you to check us out on all four of the major podcast distributors between Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe so you never miss another episode of the podcast. Uh, we'd be greatly appreciative, and make sure to go check out Bulls247.com for all the latest USF coverage as we continue on uh, throughout the rest of the season. We are five weeks away from uh, the end of the season. Basketball will be starting up soon. They are a week away, a week away. They will, uh, they'll take on uh, the University of Tampa on November 1st. Um, so yeah, so we'll have that. Women's basketball is coming back. I'm going to try and do what we did last year with a nice little preview with both the play-by-play guys. I get uh, Derek Sharp back on the pod. And we were going to do Jim Hall. We were going to do the, the legendary Jim Lighthall last year. Uh, he was going to be on the pod, but just didn't get figured out. So we're going to get Derek. We're going to try and get Jim as well. Um, you know, the guys that watch these games every single day uh, or watch these games every single day, just like, uh, just like we do. Um, over at 24-7, so try and get those guys on to, to talk a little bit of hoops as, uh, you know, the women are trying to make their third straight NCAA tournament. The men are trying to rebuild a little bit. I, I think they've got the roster to be able to do it. We'll talk a little bit more about that down the line. So, again, thanks for tuning in to the Fletcher Fowler Podcast. I've been your host, Will Turner. We'll catch you very, very soon. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Wow, 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 wow.